Jonah 3, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word, of the, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation to publish through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of disaster, and he said he would do to them, and he did, sorry, what he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. You guys have a seat. All right. Thanks, Josh. Um, Hey, uh, like Josh said, my name is uh, Josh also. It's confusing around here. Uh, Gardner is what some people call me around here, um, and I'm the minister to students um, here at Flourishing Grace, so I get to, I'm usually hanging out in that loud room on the end uh, with a bunch of students running around, breaking things. Um, it's a good time. Uh, but I'm excited to be uh, with you guys uh, this morning as we continue in Jonah together. Um, and I'm actually really excited about this chapter because I think when we think of Jonah, we think of what we've already read and spent time in and what we're going to spend time in next week. But for myself, at least, we don't think about this chapter. When we think of Jonah, we think of, right, Jonah fleeing from God, right? That's what we think about when we think of the book of Jonah. When we think about Jonah, we think of what? A giant fish swallowing him because that's crazy, right? That's insane, But this chapter is the culmination of what God is calling Jonah to do from the beginning. And actually, this chapter, if you think about it, what happens to Nineveh, if that happened here, like if that happened to Bountiful, how amazing would that be? Like we would be, there would be us around weeping with joy of what God is doing amongst us. Right? It's an overwhelming mercy that God extends to Nineveh. Like if, if the world was Nineveh, man, we would be delighted and joyful every day. And so I'm excited to get into do it for that reason, but also I'm excited because of what we see happen in this. Uh, what we see happen in this is that God relents. God does not destroy Nineveh, um, and we, but we have to focus on why why he didn't. And I think if we get the why wrong here, 
If we get the reason why God relents and does not destroy Nineveh wrong, we actually get the reason why he does not destroy us wrong. We get the reason why God extends mercy to us wrong if we don't understand this. We get the reason why you can be saved by God wrong if we don't get this right. Um, And so I'm excited to get into it with us. We start off um, the, this, uh, this passage with Jonah getting this kind of second opportunity out of the fish, right? So he gets this second opportunity, and God sends him back, and it's almost like a parallel that we see from chapter 3. This, God almost says the exact same thing to Jonah with a slight difference for, to send him to Nineveh yet again. Uh, but he tells Jonah, this time, I'm going to give you what to say. I'm going to tell you what to say to them. And then we see right off the bat, look at verse 4 with me. Jonah says this, Jonah began to go into the city, and going a day's journey, he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. He goes out, this is all we see of uh, Jonah's uh, preaching um, here, uh, this kind of This might have just been what he said. It might just be a summary of what he said. But this is all we get, right? Is that, look, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the same word here in the Hebrew that's used is actually the same word that's used uh, when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? An evil city, right? A city that was just set their hearts on sin and everything against God. What happens? They're flattened, right? They're destroyed. And so the same word overthrown is the same word that we use in that for destruction, for being destroyed. And so Jonah is going around warning them. He's warning them, saying, look, Nineveh is going to be destroyed because of its great evil. Right? We see in uh, chapter 1, God calls the city evil. And this we see uh, that the, even the king calls the city evil evil in his decree in chapter 8. Everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands, right? So the whole city was marked by evil. And, and think about, we think about violence in their hands. I think about someone just like punching everyone out. I think about how we do evil with our hands, right? So this was an evil and terrible place. But yet, but yet, verse 10 comes. Verse 10 says, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So in the end, this evil city that should be be destroyed isn't destroyed. God doesn't destroy this city. And so again, we've read it, and so we kind of see what happens, but I I think it's still uh, helpful for us to ask the question, really, why? Why does God relent of this? Why does God actually, like, what's, what's the reason behind him extending this ridiculous mercy? Last week, Benjur talked about how God's mercy towards them, towards Jonah, is ridiculous. Like, we would look at it and say, that's absurd. Now, for us, we would say, that's absurd in a good way, right? Um, for Jonah, Jonah knew the mercy that God would extend to Nineveh, and he thought it was ridiculous in a bad way. Like, not fair, this is no. They should not be extended it. But God's mercy is ridiculous. But why does he extend his mercy to them? Why? Well, and that brings up my first point here is that God's saving mercy is given to repenters. 
God's saving mercy is given to repenters. What I love about this chapter is that there's, uh, in the Hebrew, it's five words given to Jonah's sermon, if you want to call it that, warning, yelling, probably, (laughs) right? Um, But then half of the chapter is given to what Nineveh does in response to this. And what do they respond with? Immediately after, verse four, immediately after, it says this in verse five, and the people of Nineveh believed God. We're gonna come back to that because that's really important. But the people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth for the greatest of them, from the greatest of them to the least of them. We, just real quick so you understand, probably you understand what fasting is, right? Fasting is uh, abstaining from food uh, for the purpose of, now a lot of people now do like intermittent fasting. I was in that cult for a little bit of intermittent fasting. Sorry, I'll probably go back to it, okay? Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, but fasting of not participating in eating of food, not for the purpose of losing weight, but for the purpose of turning your eyes to God, that every, every time you were supposed to eat, that you turn to God, right? You humble yourself before God. Every hunger, pain that you feel, in that pain you go to God and you say, he's the sustainer, he, he can sustain me, right? But then we also see them put on sackcloth and you're like, what is that? We don't do that. For our context, this is not how it was, but I think it's a helpful illustration for me. Um, when you guys were kids, or maybe when you were adults, I don't, I don't know what you do on the weekends, but did any of you ever like uh, race in a potato sack race? Yeah? You know, it's like burlap and it's itchy and gross. And I think of that in this. It's probably not what they had. It was probably worse than that. It actually was worse than that if you think about it. But I think of cutting holes in, a, in, a, in one of those burlap sacks and like putting yourself and then cutting another hole and putting it up, right? And, and the whole point of this because none of us would walk around with potato sacks on. The whole point of this was a sign of humility, of humbling themselves before God. Humbling themselves before God and saying, you know, um, I need God. And so I'm going to physically put on sackcloth. And it says, from the grace of them to the least of them. We see this even among the king. In verse six, it says, uh, in the word reached the king of Nineveh and arose, and he rose from his throne and removed his robe and covered himself with sackcloth. Again, second time. And sat in ashes. Right? Another sign of humbling himself, of humbling themselves before God. So the king of Nineveh, the highest of the high, humbles himself. And then, not only that, but he issues a proclamation in verse 7, and he issued a proclamation and published, uh, published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king, let his, no- let his nobles, or sorry, and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, neither, f- neither flock, uh, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Again, for the third time. And let them call out mightily to God. And let everyone turn from their, his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent from, the fierce anger, uh, from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Right? So instantly we see this, that all throughout the land, the people turn and repent. 
They repent of their sin. They confess it. They say, what we are doing, we are evil and wicked. There is evil in our hands. And we're confessing that, but we're also giving that. We're crying out to God. God, would you do something? Would you save us? The call of the king here and the response of the people is not a call to clean up and do better, right? They didn't, like, if you look at it, you would see that in Israel, right, they had specific sacrifices that were given to Yahweh. They had specific rules and regulations, right? They had things that they were doing. It doesn't say that they turned to start doing those things. They didn't say, oh, in the next 40 days, we're going to get our junk together so that we can get right before God. No, they knew where they were at, and they knew we have no chance. We have no shot, and we need the mercy of God to do something to us, right? And it says that they believed God in verse 5. They believed what God said to them. Uh, What I love is that it doesn't say that they believed Jonah's amazing sermon, or they believed Jonah, even if it just said they believed Jonah. It doesn't say that. It says they believed God, that God in that moment through Jonah is convicting an entire city of their sin. And turning, they're seeing the reality of, man, how, how we have lived and who we are, the path that it's leading towards is destruction. The path that is leading towards is destruction. And we need to just turn towards our God and believe that he could save us. And that's even what the king says, right? Who knows? Like, he's kind of wondering about it. He's not even actually necessarily sure. So who knows? Maybe God would turn and relent from his fierce anger. And the reason why this is so important is because it's the same for us. Right? Our God has not changed the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, this is the same for us, too. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Like, our, our sin causes a, a wages of death in us. And we cannot get ourselves clean enough before God. This is the only way that we will receive the mercy of God is if we turn to him. The beauty of this, though, is the king wasn't sure. (laughs) Like, the king wasn't sure. But we can be sure of it. We see throughout scripture. We have the Bible with us. We have what Jesus has done for us on the pages here. Like, we can see that God sent his own son to live the life that you and I could not live, a perfect life, the life that that we must have to be with God, and we can't do it. But then that perfect one died on a cross for you and for me. He took our place on that cross, and God bound up the wrath that we deserve, the destruction that we deserve, onto Jesus. In a moment, he takes that. And the Bible's clear, it says that all who believe in the name of Jesus will be saved. That's the call to us, is to turn from ourselves, whether it's turn from our sin of seeking pleasure in the things of the world, seeking evil for others for our gain, or whether it's seeking morality and a sense of maybe if I do good enough, I can get to God. All of these things are under the umbrella of needing of repentance. We have to repent, we have to confess and turn and give these things to God 
And the Bible is clear that if we do that, we will be saved. Um, what I love, I love the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we went there recently, but the first uh, thing that Jesus says in his ministry that Mark records is this. I think it'll be up on the screen. Um, it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is making a similar uh, call to the people around him, yet there's more hope in it, I think, than what Jonah was saying, uh, right? But it, when the kingdom of God is at hand, what he means by that when you know about the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is this amazing, perfect kingdom. You can think back to the garden, right, where God is walking in the cool of the day with, with us, and that there's perfection and beauty everywhere, and there's no sin. There's nothing uh, that can harm us, nothing that harms each other. But the thing is, as God's kingdom comes in, the kingdom of the earth is destroyed, right? And so Jesus is warning people, look, you can't sit on the fence here. You're either part of the kingdom of God or you're part of the kingdom of the world. And, and we don't like to talk about this with the gospel. With the gospel, we like to talk about, um, and we should like to talk about how Jesus is amazing and what he has to offer us is glorious and better than anything we could find in the world, but also the alternative to Jesus is death, like eternal death, eternal separation from God. That's, that's the alternative, and we have to talk about that because we have to know what the consequences are where we sit, and we can't sit on the fence here. We're either in the kingdom of the earth or we're in the kingdom of God. And what is Jesus' call? Repent. Repent of your sin and believe in what? Believe in yourself? Believe that you can do better? No, believe in the gospel. The good news that Jesus has done the work, he and this will do the work on the cross for you. This is the call of Jesus. Not only that, Benjamin mentioned this last week, and so I want to bring it up again just very quickly, um, is Matthew 12, uh, 38. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, Matthew 12, 38. Um, Jesus actually mentions uh, Jonah to uh, these scribes and Pharisees. He says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment of of this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. What I love about this is Jesus is is really giving it to him here because the scribes and Pharisees, the most religious people of the time, they really thought they, they had a leg up on Jesus. You know, they knew all the right things. They had all the head knowledge about Yahweh and the law, and they, they could quote probably anything to you, right? They spent hours and hours praying on the street corners and doing all of the religious things. And yet, what does Jesus say to them? That the men of Nineveh will judge you. 
man, that must have been a slap in the face because they knew who Nineveh were, right? What the people of Nineveh were, right? This evil people. And Jesus is just showing them again, look, it's not about your religion. Your religion will get you nowhere. It's about your repentance. It's about your humbling yourself before God. They in Nineveh just had a simple message that you're gonna be overthrown in 40 days. Turn, and they did. But you have the whole of the Torah, and you know it well, and you still rely on yourself, and you have not repented. So Jesus is really getting on saying, look, you will be judged if you do not turn and repent. And so I think this is where maybe some of you are at. Maybe for some of you, you're trying to earn mercy. You're trying to earn God's mercy. The problem is you, you never can earn it. None of us can. Just like how Jonah thought that he kind of was in the right and judged Nineveh for not. Just like how the scribes and Pharisees thought they were doing good because of their religion, but then God shows them clearly that's not true. For us, for us to receive the mercy of God, it has, it has everything to do with us humbling ourselves and repenting and saying, we do not deserve it, but I know you give it freely to those who come before you. And so the call of the gospel is not religion, but the call of the gospel is to throw ourselves on to Jesus, right? The call of the gospel is the one who, uh, or just the call to throw ourselves onto the one who has done it perfectly, the one who can, the one who has, Jesus. So this is the call for us. God's saving mercy is given to those who repent, is given to repenters. Not only that, but we see here in this text that God's saving mercy is extended through those same repenters, through us. God's saving mercy is extended through repenters. And this is what makes me so excited about this because even when you look at Jonah, Jonah's not really a person that you'd be like, yeah, when I grow up, you don't want your kids to be Jonah, right? Like you don't. None of you do uh, want your kids to be Jonah. You don't want to be Jonah, especially next week. Have fun with that. Uh, it's a whole thing, right? And you're just like, what the heck, Jonah? Right? But I think the, but the call is still there. It's amazing that God uses someone who's so obstinate against him to still do the work of the kingdom through but God wants so much more for us than for Jonah. Or he wanted, what he wanted for Jonah, he wants for us too. And so my hope is that we wouldn't be like Jonah in this. Because I think Jonah, I know Jonah, missed out on joy. He missed out on the joy of the Lord because he, uh, he did not humble himself and repent before God. See, because for those of you who are in Christ, you know this, that you've repented and trusted in Jesus. But, but now you know that you're not, it's not, oh, I'm perfect and clean and I, I don't have to repent of anything ever again. No, it's actually, you find more and more things to repent of and, and you repent of those things not as like, oh, oh I sinned, I gotta be saved. Oh, I sinned, I gotta be saved. No, you repent of those things because of the fact that God has saved you, right? So now you're like, 
God, I'm seeing you're showing me more and more things in my life that I want to repent of and give up to you. And I don't want these things to have grafts in my life. And so would you take them from me? And that he actually is doing this work of transforming us to be more like Jesus. But not only that, in that transformation, he calls us as a people to go out into the world and be those people. Not people that go and be like, oh yeah, if you follow my five-step program, then, you know, it's not that. It's not that. It's not if you, if you follow these certain things, then God will accept you. No, it's, no, look at my jacked up life. Like, I am messed up. I am messed up. But Jesus, in his mercy, his ridiculous mercy towards me, saved me out of it. And now, there's still wounds and pain and all of this sin that's still got a hold, and yet God is ripping those things off of me. He is renewing me. He is restoring me. Am I perfect? No. That's why Jesus died for me. Because I I can never be perfect. I will never be perfect on this earth. I won't. That's the message that people need to hear. Not the message of religion or you can do better and God will accept you. That will not save them. Um, And this is the call that God has brought us into. And and Matthew, Matthew's last words that Jesus says... um, or that he records that Jesus says is, is something we call the Great Commission, right? Um, for those of you who don't know it, um, it'll be, I think it'll be up on the screen. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. This was the last call to the disciples a call to be a part of what Jesus had just done, of making disciples, of sharing the gospel, of being a part of the kingdom work that God does by bringing people from darkness into light. Luke, the writer of Acts, says this in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, Jesus is records that Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the call of us as followers of Jesus to go out again and share the good news of the mercy that can be extended to those around us if they repent and turn towards Jesus. And I love this. Paul says this in Romans chapter 10 um, about those who go and preach. He says this, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear from someone without preaching, without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I love that phrase because I don't really like feet. Um... (laughs) A lot of people don't. I think feet are disgusting. My feet are gross. Don't look at them, okay? That's why I'm not wearing flip-flops up here like Josh Knight. Um, because you would look at my toenails and be like, I'm not coming back here. Um, but feet, right? It's so funny that Paul says this, how beautiful are the feet. And you have to think, none of these people had like shoes. Like, they weren't wearing Jordans with socks, okay? Like they weren't doing that. They were wearing like some jank flip-flops, okay? Um, right? or nothing, just barefoot. So their feet are disgusting, and what Paul is saying is, look, those who go out 
Go all over the place. Go to the places to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. How beautiful are their feet. How magnificent, how awesome is it. Because they are part of what God is doing. The part of the beautiful work of the kingdom that God is doing. Of saving people, of extending his mercy. And that's what we're called into. Again, we're called to go out into a world with honesty. Not with a voice of, I have it all together, but I didn't, and let me show you how. But a, a voice of honesty and saying, no, no, no. My God has done everything for me, and he can do everything for you. Just turn to him. So here's the last thought I want to leave with you this morning. Um, earlier I alluded to this, but um, this passage should get us excited about who our God is and what our God can do. Um, and I want to read the last verse to you again. If you're there, you can turn there. Chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, And when God saw what they did, uh, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of, his, of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. The reason why this should get us excited is because God, this has not changed. God will still do this today. If people turn from their way, repent and believe in Jesus. Right, the message has not uh, changed. We have to share with people where we have this same message to share with people right around us today. We have peoples and nations all around the world. Do you know there are 14,000 people groups in the world, 7,400 and something of them have never heard the name of Jesus. It's like 3.4 billion people never even heard about Jesus. And we get to be a part of that. We're called to be a part of that. But not only that, we're called to go into the world with a message that God is just, that he hates evil and wickedness and sin, and all sinners before him deserve his judgment. Yet, God is merciful for all who turn from their sin and trust in him, who believe in him, he will relent and save them and show mercy to them that's the message that our friends need to hear, our family, our coworkers. So my question for you is who can you share that with today? Josh talked about earlier that we've been praying for one, right? We have our ones that we've said, God, I need you to move in them and I need you to give me boldness. I need you to give me boldness to share with them. And that's my, my hope for you. My hope for us is that we would be so on fire to see God transform this whole place, this whole county. I work with students, so I think in this way all the time, but man, I, I think about all of the students who are stuck in this thought that they um, have to get to a place where God can smile upon them, and, then, and, they, and they never will, and they're stuck there. And man, to see all of the students in Davis County to turn from that and repent and trust in Jesus and for God to bring them out of darkness into light. 
how beautiful, how much that would change everything. So will we not be like Jonah? Will we be a people who pray and ask and beg for God to do this? Would we be a people that pray for our, for, for our friends and our families fervently that God would do this work in them? Would we be a people that pray for ourselves, for boldness? Because it's scary, you guys. It is. I know it. I know it. Would we be a people, those of you in path groups, would you go into your path group and say, look, these are the people I want to share with. Here's the reasons why I'm not or the ways that this is difficult. Would you pray for me? Would you... God has more power to break through those things than you and I even know. Would we be a people that humble ourselves before God, repent of our sin, and ask him to transform us, that he would send us out into this world for his glory? And that's my my hope for you. My hope for this place is that it would be like Nineveh. That we wouldn't be the adulterous generation that Jesus points out in the scribes and Pharisees, but we would be, uh, we would see Nineveh transformed here in Bountiful and Davis County, Utah. We pray for us to that end. God, ultimately we know that you do this work. God, if we're honest, so many other things in our life takes precedent over this. So many things, and some of them very important things, God. But yet you call us into this. And God, we are missing out on the joy of you as we pursue other things instead of pursuing you and pursuing our friends with the gospel. God, and I pray for us, would we be a church marked by repentance, marked as a people who go out into this world and say, you don't need religion, you need Jesus. And would people believe, would, would you transform the hearts of those around us? Would we see a movement of people putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes and fasting and saying, God, I need you. I need you. And you would save. You would save. God, what? How beautiful. God, would you do it? So we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.